feature presentation. Alright, and welcome back to Road Trip Cinema. I am your undead host, John Rhodes, and with me as always is... Shit, I'm the dark-skinned one, so I die first, don't I? Uh, that's not always the case. It's well, just... we don't have a hot blonde, so it's me next. It's... Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm Saeed. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I got too caught up in the moment. Oh, that's fine, because I literally didn't prep at all and realized I always say something, and it was like, I'm uh, undead. Let's just go with undead. Quick. <laughs> close enough. Right, so... Good enough. Not close yeah, enough. we are here to discuss... 1931's Dracula. That's right, our oldest film we've ever covered, and the first of our Universal Monsters. Was it the first? I guess Frankenstein came after, huh? Yeah, this is literally the first. Um, so I, I kind of want to touch upon some of that, but but first and foremost, uh, th is this our first that's really based on a book, or at least such a uh, a famous book because this is based off from obviously Bram Stoker's Dracula that is one of the best selling books ever I think it is our first and I, I think it's such a, a milestone for us personally because I was already reading Dracula you have already read it mm -hmm. I know Kylie was interested in reading it and we did a lot of homework for all this Dracula stuff because we are going to watch Renfield and those plans fell through right so I went through and finished Dracula to prep for Last Voyage of the Demeter. Right. Demeter? Demeter? I don't know Demeter. how to it. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yeah, world-famous book pretty much popularized the idea of vampires because vampires are a common thing, folklorically, but, I mean, not something that was out there in culture a hell of a lot. So... I think this episode in particular is going to cover a lot of historical importance, I think is the best way of putting it. So before we actually review the film and give our thoughts on it, do you want to get more in-depth with the history of it? kind Because of? you are a lot more knowledgeable in this and the whole Universal Monster series as a whole than right. I am. I, I love it. Like, I first saw this... When I was in elementary school, I was, I, I couldn't even tell you. I remember reading uh, a book about monsters, and it kept talking about this, and I begged my mom to take me to the video store. That's a, basically Netflix if it was a building, kids. And um, I rented Dracula, and, you know, it was October, and I watched them. So, to actually talk about the history of this film though is really interesting because originally it was supposed to be very different I said it's based off of Bram Stoker's book but this is actually this adaptation is actually based off from the stage play because originally this was supposed to be a much grander film um, when the director signed on and when they began pre-production this was supposed to be a much much grander film this was going to be epic this was the film that was determined to save Universal because Universal was going bankrupt. It could not compete with the other studios and the studio head's son, this was his baby, this was his idea to save the studio. 
They signed the director on. It was going to be epic. They are going to have uh, Lon Chaney star. Those of you that are cinephiles know the name. Others have no idea. He is, at the time, the most famous actor working, um, known for being able to transform himself. Kind of the first uh, method actor, I guess you'd say. And... Um, Sadly, the Great Depression happened. So all those plans got scrapped. And they had to completely go back to the drawing board. They decide that it's now going to be based on the stage play. It's much more manageable. And that really shines through. Like, it really does. I've seen a lot of movies based on plays. And you can usually tell based on how much they reuse a single location. and Or a single room, even. Right. Because it's very much like... Keep it cheap, keep it compact, make all this work long periods of time. Well, I'm not done yet. Uh, there's more. Um, the lead actor then died of cancer. Okay. <laughs> the, so, the Dracula actor? Yes. Okay. Uh, back to the drawing board again. So they're trying to find someone to fill the most famous actor at the time's shoes. So, they're basing it on the stage play. What do they do? They get a complete unknown from Hungary that is starring on Broadway in the stage play. Because the the heads of the studio figure, well, if he's packing Broadway and people love him there, people will love him on screen. And that would be the famous Bella Lugosi, right? Absolutely. Okay. At this point, though, the director had lost his entire budget, had lost his best friend and leading man he's checked out at this point that's pretty fair to be honest a lot of rumors are that the uh, DP actually directed most of this film like you can actually go and read interviews where a lot of the actors are just like I don't recall seeing him okay (laughs) so like he was checked the fuck out basically he was showing up setting up a couple things maybe viewing the, the footage, but he wasn't giving it his full potential. He wasn't giving it his full attention because the film he wanted to make was dead. Right. And I think a lot of that shows. So, had you seen this before, though? I have never watched this, and I want to be perfectly clear and, and frank. I, I haven't watched this since April when, <laughs> when we planned to originally do this. So, it's it's been a while. My memory is a little weak on it. I have some initial thoughts on it. That being, yeah, this is kind of like a a, a bare bones movie. Well, also, this is the director was forced to make it a talkie because his original vision wasn't. It was this was right around the time when films transitioned from silent to talkie films, which we know now. And he envisioned a completely different film. But, you know, you can still see some of his artistic choices in this that there's not really a score. There's not a lot of, like, ambient noise and stuff like that. His choice was to make it almost like a hybrid of a silent film and a talking. (laughs) He wanted it so that when you heard the wolf howl in the background... It literally startled you because you hadn't really heard anything. Okay. So that was a choice. Now, they have since gone back and 
there is versions that you can find with scores. It's usually, if you own it physically, it's usually in the special features. So wait, it used to be one or the other, you couldn't do both? What do you mean? Like, if you did a, a talkie when that was relatively new, you didn't have a score too, or? Back then, um, a lot of times, in the very beginning, it was, uh, someone was playing it in the theater. Like, okay, uh, someone would literally be playing a score to it. Um, it wasn't too long that they started adding score, but, like, he, he didn't want a lot of, like, background noise and stuff like that. He wanted you to kind of get sucked in and, you know, just kind of a little lulled. So when you were hearing the wolf howl or someone scream, it was more startling. That was at least his his thoughts on it coming from a silent filmmaker. Okay. So it, it's an odd film, but regardless of our thoughts on it, this thing is influential as fuck. And after we talk about it, I'd really like to kind of touch more upon that. Because this, A, saved Universal, and B, started the whole Universal Monsters. I mean, that's... Universal Monsters is still... It's been fucking almost 100 years now. Yeah. 90 years. Universal Monsters is so influential, iconic, and famous that... I know every year the Universal Parks do their Halloween horror events throughout all of October. Yeah. Universal Monsters is its own section of the park. Up there with, like, this year's The Last of Us and Megan. Like, usually it's more uh, pop culture-y, like, whatever's hot and new. Right. But, I mean, this is just so influential and famous that Universal Monsters is there every time. Well, I mean, you gotta think about it. Everyone, regardless as to if you're a horror fan or not, you know these monsters. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're it's Frankenstein, it's Dracula, it's like, like you fan, grew up with that, mummy, I mean, no matter what. I mean, even little kids are aware of it, whether it's like, just because they're spooky monsters, or because like Scooby-Doo, or whatever new version of that comes out. Like, it'll never not exist. Right, right. No matter how you want to argue modern horror is influential... No horror has been as influential as the Universal Monsters. Well, it's just, they, they were the first. They were the, the big ones. Yeah, they were the first huge ones. Now, um, it has been said that this was the first horror movie. That is completely false. It is very, very wrong. The reason some people say that is because this was the first advertised as a horror movie. Okay. So it was kind of the first... It was kind of the pioneer of this whole genre. It was... Because before that, there were there were dramas with horrific elements or this or that. Well, this I is mean, the first one that was straight up... This is about the horror. But Nosferatu would be considered horror, wouldn't it? That was 1902. It, which okay. is also... I mean, it's Dracula, but... Right, right, right. But... They didn't have the genre back then. That was considered like a fantasy film or something like that. They they didn't advertise it as a horror film. And that's all really the only okay. point I'm trying to make. Gotcha. When people say this is the first, really what they mean is this is the first that was really advertised. Like sold as horror yes. rather than as yeah. a creature from else. beyond or yeah. whatever the yeah. fuck. No, this was the first one that was sold specifically on the horror. Okay. And I know I've said it before on this that, you know, horror does great during times of 
crisis, essentially. Crisis, yeah. I mean, you look at the uh, the COVID era, horror did really good. Um, and it's the same back then. You had the Great Depression, you had World War II. This shit was thriving. Well, because it's escapism, essentially. It's yeah. like a really bizarre form of escapism where you leave and go, oh, well, shit, it could be much worse. They got yeah. vampires. At we least, just got no money. Yeah, at <laughs> least my life's not this. Right. So, well, fuck, we're already kind of on it and we're jumping around. So before we even get to the film, let's talk about how influential this is because I think this is probably one of the most influential films ever made. Think about yeah. it. Yeah. Because this version of Dracula is the synonymous bit. <laughs> is the version of Dracula everyone thinks of. Right. I mean, even parody yeah. it, from decades later is always parodying Bela Lugosi's attire. Yeah. It's always the thin, silly cape with the weird V hairline thing going on. Like, it's just, he's the iconic, like, it, almost like a, how a Joker is always iconic for its signature style. I feel like this Dracula is the iconic Dracula. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did this role so well that he has become the character. He returned for a few others, right? Like, it wasn't just one, one. and done? Okay. He did one other, and it was uh, Abbott and Costello. Okay. So, basically, he did a parody. Now, he has played a Dracula, not a Dracula, sorry, a vampire one other time, but it it wasn't Dracula, and then the big twist ending was that he wasn't a real vampire. Just a guy pretending to be a vampire? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, sexually, or... No, 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 it was... Or, like, Scooby-Doo, like, yeah. I would have gotten away with it, too. Basically, the actual okay. basis of Scooby-Doo. It was a, a land grab scheme, and he was pretending to be... He was an actor hired to pretend to be a vampire, to scare okay. people away. So, like, exactly like a classic Scooby-Doo. Yeah, is like, I mean, Scooby-Doo basically ripped off a lot of these old films. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but, yeah, one time as Dracula, unless you count the parody, and yeah, it became iconic. So, are we rating or just sharing our thoughts on this? I, I'd say, well, let's share our thoughts on the actual film, and I, yeah, I, I think we should rate it. Okay, I don't remember I my can, rating. I can get your rating. Okay. Uh, but what, my, my initial thoughts on this movie are, I, I had to keep this bias in my head that it's definitely <laughs> a product of its time. I can't hold that against it as much as it's rough. It's hard to get through. Personally, I don't have this personal attachment to it like it sounds like you have. I've seen uh, this film so much. I've seen it once, <laughs> and I, it's a chore to get through. And it's only like an hour long. It's relatively short for a movie. 74 minutes? 75 minutes? Something it's like that? It's short by today's standards. Absolutely, yeah. Especially today's standards. Today's standards are three-hour historical biopics. So... <laughs> So, an hour 14, that in itself is refreshing because I knocked that out during my daughter's nap. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Get that done. Um, I haven't watched it in like five months now. Four, five months. I just didn't enjoy it that much. Okay. I was just kind of bored and like waiting for it to be over. I had read the book and finished it before watching it. It's, it's a pretty big deviation from the book. And it's, again, another like what they could do or what they had at the time. Yeah, based so on a stage play. I, mean, I don't want to fault it, 
but at the same time, it's just, I don't know, it's not what I expected, it was weaker than I thought, I thought, while he's iconic, I, I didn't think the acting in the film overall was all that great. Really? Like, I can agree, he is iconic, he is the Dracula, but I think that's more of just because he's the first. Like, everybody talks about how great Jack Nicholson's Joker is, and I don't think he's that great either. I don't. Knowing no, the source I, material. I agree there. But everybody, he is the first live-action Joker besides the show's, was it, Cesar Romero? But he's the first, so he's, like, the iconic Joker. Everybody shits on whatever next one comes. Like, they all shat on Heath Ledger, and then he turned out incredible. They all shat on Jared Leto, and he turned out to be a piece of shit Joker. So that one, <laughs> that one was true to form, but it's just... I don't know. He, while he's iconic, I will agree completely. I didn't think he was great. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, have you seen many, like, 1930s, 40s films? I struggle to know. I feel like everything before 65, it all kind of is the same to me. Okay. I don't, I don't, I can't differentiate them. Okay. Uh, I've seen a few. Like, I remember watching To Kill a Mockingbird. Probably uh, in high school. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've I've only briefly started Nosferatu, but even that's a silent film. It's its own thing. Uh, very I mean, different. Very different. We've watched a lot but, of Gunsmoke at work <laughs> just because it's there and our patient liked it. So, well, I ask because I mean they have their own style, they own their own flavor, and I was just curious as to if it was just something that didn't necessarily speak to your. Uh, sensibilities, I guess. I I have a problem with a lot of those early ones, and I'm hoping Nosferatu is different because it's it a is. silent film, but I don't like the way dialogue is read in a lot of those older films. It almost feels like every actor is rushing to get through their lines and then the next person speak. And I'm sure that was actually the case because film is expensive and you only had so much of it, so they really were like, hurry up and do it, let's get it done. All right, next, next scene. Well, I mean, like, at this point in time, this is where, like, the stage rehearsals came from because you rehearsed this motherfucker until you got it right because we weren't putting shit on film. Right. I mean, literally, this... The studio's going bankrupt. But uh, back to this, for me, I, I disagree. I think Bella Lugosi is actually incredible in this. Uh, I, I think he is a standout, but oddly, and revisiting this... He was my favorite performance. My actual favorite performance is Dwight Fry, Renfield. Okay. I think he fucking steals the show. He he's, definitely stood out to me. He's incredible. I mean, all the weird little choices he made from, like, his, his crazy laugh of, eh, 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 just all of it is great. And, yeah, there's a lot of limitations that I talk about on this, but I still think there's a lot of charm to this film to be found. Um, if you prefer a lot of modern films and haven't really gone back, this probably is not going to be for you. However, if you actually enjoy older films and haven't seen this, I do suggest you check it out. Uh, for me, I give this four stars. Okay. Uh, for you, I went back and I, I looked at your letterbox to help you out. You gave it two. So Did I give it a written review or did I just give it stars? Uh, you... Alright, the... right, here's your actual okay. review. Read me my own review, because I don't yes. remember. <laughs> uh, this film is... <laughs> uh, I'll fix your typo. 
this film is a plenty fine adaptation for the time, but as times change, so do adaptations. This film doesn't stand out amongst the many other adaptations of Dracula, not necessarily worthy of a watch. Okay, so I, I guess what I was getting at there was now that we're a hundred plus years from the book's publishing, if, it's been you, if, if you want Dracula, there is a lot more accurate and well-acted and portrayed Dracula. Right. So two stars. <laughs> so what, that's a overall three stars for us? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we will be back next week I will be back next yeah, week yeah that's true with our our co-host our very rare occasional co-host Kylie talking about uh, some vampire film of some kind <laughs> so stay tuned and be surprised you've arrived at your destination <laughs> <laughs>